0: Welcome to the Vine podcast. This is Warren. And today we're going to talk about gatherings. We gather for many different reasons, but in the last year, the look and frequency of just about all of our gatherings has changed. And this might prompt us to ask many different questions, including perhaps even the relevance and need for some of the gatherings that we have typically pursued or participated in without even thinking about it in the past. And so today we want to think and talk about why we gather, specifically why we gather as a church, as Christians, and what that means for our current context and how we might think about gatherings going forward. So that's a lot to throw out there. We're probably not gonna solve anything today, but you might see this as sort of um, just beginning a conversation about some of these things that started kicking around in my head for a few different reasons that I'll explain more in just a minute. But first I'll bring in my conversation partners for today. I'm joined today by Rachel once again. Good morning, Rachel.
1: Good morning, Warren. Hello, everybody.
0: And Terry is back with us today. So hello, Terry.
2: Good morning, Warren. Hello, Rachel. (laughs) Hi.
0: Uh, So I, as I mentioned, wanna have a conversation about gatherings and this was this sort of came up in, in my mind for a couple of reasons. Gatherings have sort of been something we've, we've talked about and thought about, of course, uh, over the course of the year, but, but I don't think we've kind of stepped back to have this sort of, of conversation or, or thought process. Kind of just even going back to thinking, just so why do we gather and, and what are we hoping to accomplish in that? And we have thought, well, I say that, but I should say that we have thought about the things that we miss about kind of gathering in the traditional way that we have. We have thought about some of the things that that we value from those times and maybe took for granted, and we've talked about that in different spaces, about just the connections, the ability to... To just um develop relationship and, and connection with people through conversations and and hugs and interactions that happen before and after worship services and, and how those things, uh, you know, that we might have thought were kind of more ancillary to the to the primary point of gathering are are more more pertinent and, and more meaningful than maybe we had realized in the past. Things like that. And, and and so there are some things that we want to be intentional about going forward that, that's part of why I thought about this. But then I also ended up coming across a a podcast by uh, Brene Brown, where she interviewed the author of a book called The Art of Gathering. And so I listened to that, and I even mentioned a, a different Brene Brown podcast in, in last week's Zoom call. So I don't want to become just a... Um, a knockoff of Brene Brown's podcast where we're retreading her podcast episodes. But, but I thought there was a specific interest uh, for the church in thinking about the art of gathering and why we gather and, and what that means and looks like for us now. And so if you want more just kind of information on some of this topic, you could listen to to that podcast. It's on Brene Brené Brown's podcast, Unlocking Us. It's called The Art of Gathering. And again, there's a book by that same name, The Art of Gathering, that gets even more in-depth with it. But I want to start by by thinking about a question today that the author of, of this book encourages people to think about anytime they're, they're planning a gathering. Because we gather for all kinds of different reasons. Church is just one of the the many uh, forums and and reasons why we gather, but we we gather typically in a non-pandemic time, um, often and for many different reasons. And so a question that, that she encourages people to think about that I want us to kind of think about this morning is what is a need in your life that by bringing people together, you might be able to address? And so I'm curious if if y'all have a thought on this of, if I asked you that question about about let's just kind of think specifically for now because you know even within the church we have many different gatherings right we have wednesday night we have bible class we have worship so it's kind of just for for now at least uh you i guess you can interpret that either way thinking specifically about the worship space or specifically about the the church in general Uh, what is a need that that by bringing people together we might be able to address as a church do you think we have a kind of a specific answer to that that we give? Do you have a thought there of, is there a specific need or specific needs that we're seeking to address by coming together as a church? We'll start off with an easy one.
1: <laughs> is it easy? I feel like there are so many that things sarcastic. that come to mind. That was <laughs> Yeah. Um, I think for, for the church, there are so many needs and one is the need to praise and glorify God and I think that it that need is more easily met when we are gathered than when we are apart there's something about the collective energy we have together when we sing that um just makes you feel like you're connecting with God more um and so I think that that's one thing
2: yeah i um that's a that's a a very introspective question for something that often has not had a lot of introspection. I grew up in a faith tradition like maybe some others that you know if there seemed to be a command in scripture or examples in scripture, then we just reproduce that It's like well mm. God knew what he God knew what he was doing or first century christians apostles um you know Ministers knew what they were doing. So we should just reproduce that and so uh, I've been in some congregations where literally there was almost like a, a five finger check off You know, like the five core elements of worship and you needed to include all of those Wait, and those for, are the so five the, the,
0: acts of worship Terry, not the, the five, not the acts, five yeah. elements of worship
2: You're right. And So those five acts of worship for Rachel or maybe others that it didn't seem quite as bulleted is it, it's, I'll try to cluster these are like preaching, praying, praising, communion, contribution. Uh, and so, you know, and, and so those were the acts to, to use that word, not the acts of the apostles, but the acts of the church uh, that needed to be incorporated uh, all the time. And anything beyond that almost seemed extraneous. And uh, And while each one of those Is relevant and important I think it does really help to reflect and focus around what is the need for each of those elements or acts if we're going to continue doing that and as Rachel said just coming together is important we do that in in so many ways you know whether it's informal gatherings or in formal ceremony and I have a lot of thoughts just around why we have ceremonies and the importance of ceremonies, but uh, maybe maybe that can come up later in the conversation.
1: You sound like a sociologist. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I'm just old. <laughs> I've, got, I've got decades of life experiences, and I've been to a lot of ceremonies. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep.
0: Yeah, you know, Terry, I do think for, for me too, just all, all kinds of thoughts kind of come come to mind at once, and it's tough to to kind of know where to begin. So that's why I said we're, uh, I'm, I'm not assuming that we're gonna solve anything today, but but wanting to just kind of uh, throw some things out and, and hopefully stimulate some, some thought and conversation. Because I do think, to, to Rachel's point, we could say that there are so many needs or so many I think we would probably t- usually call them reasons and, and and maybe even just reframing them as what need are we trying to address might might help some of our conversations but I think you know praise and worship would, would certainly be one of them uh, studying some some might say that well coming to a greater knowledge of scripture or, or studying scripture would be a reason um, and so maybe you could say they're a need to to dwell in scripture or a need to understand scripture might be a, a need that we're trying to address uh, building community, deepening relationships with each other uh, might might be a reason that we talk about gathering and so maybe a need would be deeper connections with each other that we have a need for uh, for more authentic relationships and 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 to me, I think those are the three that I immediately kind of think of as far as needs that we're addressing with with kind of gatherings within a worship or a church context. And you know, it would be interesting to me to to think about you know, perhaps even as we think about the different gatherings in a church, maybe you know, thinking about which one of those which which of our gatherings kind of helps to to meet those different needs. And we've kind of talked about that in some of the, our other conversations, but but maybe, you know, the the worship service isn't the best one to to necessarily build relationships. It can build community and shared experiences, but I don't I'm not getting to know anyone else real great personally by our involvement in the worship experience. But I can in a in a Bible class or a small group setting where where there's conversation where where I have the opportunity to get to know somebody better. Um, but I think that that could kind of complicate kind of how we think about this question, because there are many different needs that we could bring about, and, and maybe clarifying some of that could be helpful, especially in a season where where the gatherings just naturally look different. And that was one of the things that stood out to me in in kind of listening to, uh, to their podcast, was that the, the author of this book talks about how whenever there's a specific category, the more specific or kind of defined the category of the gathering is, the more that's going to be assumed about the form of it going into it. And so if it's a wedding, you know, we already have an image in our heads of a wedding and what that looks like. And so you kind of go in with some questions or with some assumptions about the form of it, Uh, a birthday party, uh, a, a, a board meeting, whatever it might be, like there are already some assumptions. And so we kind of go into it with this form in mind. And, and she, she makes the point that if, if we can step back from that and say, okay, but what are, what are the needs that we're trying to address by bringing these people together and, and be intentional about having a purpose behind it and doing the hard work kind of on the front end of figuring some of that out, then the gathering will, will actually end up being, not only will it be more purposeful, but it, it will be more meaningful for, for everyone involved and have a transformative quality to the gathering itself uh, that will carry on in the life of those people past even the, the, the point of that specific gathering. And, and I, I think that's, that's incredibly relevant for us in a church setting for a few different reasons. One is that I think I at least have kind of always thought that, I, I've thought we tend to think about form uh, before function in church a lot just because we kind of have these assumptions going into it of what a church, of what a worship service looks like. And I don't think I'd really thought that that's like a part of every gathering in, that we participate in. Um, it's not specific to church. And, and I don't know, that was just sort of helpful for me. We do have, you know, we have the element of theology kind of – Associated with that with church, that if you know if we do something different at Isley's birthday party, no one's going to have a theological issue with it. But we do have, as Terry said, kind of these theological issues and 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 beliefs that go into our worship gatherings that that sort of adds another layer to how we think about church gatherings. Um, but but yeah, just that we're we're bringing all of these different sort of threads and thoughts and assumptions and beliefs into our church gatherings just generally, and now. We're kind of in this season of now we also have to think about literally two completely different forms of that with the online live stream option that some people are are using as they're gathering every week and the in-person offering um that's being offered for those who are at the building and so that just like multiplies everything out even more <laughs> and things kind of get very confusing <laughs>
2: Yeah, I was thinking about this and maybe to help me kind of make it more concrete with some of the actual things that we've experienced in the last six, nine months is when we went online, all of a sudden the form changed significantly and those cultural norms around what a worship service was supposed to look like or what you did during a worship service were a little bit gray. They were fuzzy. So, like the whole chat feature uh, during YouTube or Zoom, uh, we don't have kind of norms for what do you use chat for during a worship service. Is it you know? Do you basically is has it just become an online version of what you should be doing in your pew? You know, you can, you can visit before, but as soon as things start, you need to be quiet and maybe you can throw an amen in or raise your hands or, you know, praise, but don't have these side conversations. And what we found is that, you know, different individuals have different needs. And some of that is, you know, there are some side conversations going, there's humor, there's uh, chat is used for a lot of different functions. and And again, and I think just from an organic stance, it's kind of taken on a a sense of community of this allows me to participate in a communal way with something that which could be sterile. Otherwise, if I only was just watching it and really not feeling like I was actively participating with my other brothers and sisters at the same time.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm glad you said that, Terry, because I think, um, you know, it makes me think that I remember back when I was a kid going to church like it there had to be like just an emergency for you to get up during the worship service (laughs) and and I remember thinking how um, like how odd it was once I left home that like people just got up and left worship service like if you even if you needed to go to the bathroom, like that was okay in other in other church cultures. Um and growing up it was like, no, you you waited. <laughs> <laughs> and part of the reason for that though, I think, was was we were a smaller church, but but the um like our auditorium you you walked in the front door or the, the, like the back door of the church, you know, kind of you walk in the back of the auditorium, you're walking into the back of the auditorium, but you walk in straight from outside right into the auditorium. There's no foyer or anything. And so the doors going back to our, our fellowship hall, what we would be our fellowship hall and bathrooms were behind the stage. And so if you like had to get up during church, like you were walking like right past whoever was leading singing, preaching, like everyone was going to see you. Like walk back you know, back to the bathroom and and so I think you know, even like the setup of our building, I think influenced the culture of our church because it's like you know you're not going to get up and interrupt the whole service, there's not a way, and so I do remember a couple of times like you know when we just had to get up for something, like getting up, going out the back door of the church around to the side door of the fellowship hall, going in that way, um, which I guess you know we could have done more frequently, but just that even. That, that kind of seemed to, to to have an effect on the culture of the church and like what was acceptable during a worship service and and yeah, it's interesting to think about just like if you just transplanted what usually happens in the chat feature to a normal gathering, it would feel weird if people were just like out loud having these conversations at an in-person worship service uh, but but because the form is different it it changes kind of yeah all the norms.
1: Like in the middle of Warren's sermon, I found the Band-Aid. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and and even like it helped me to to think through even like what is possible in the form of a sermon, which I've kind of talked about in some other spaces. But so, for instance, the last time that we were doing it all online, I had this thought of like, well, what if – what if Joshua could kind of interrupt my sermon and interject, you know, his own thoughts, which isn't something I, you know, in a kind of traditional sermon, I wouldn't have thought about, but, but the online option and the video option gives you kind of the chance to play with some of that and, and think about that, and so that's the, the beauty of having someone like Terry is that um, I called him and said, hey, I've got this idea, and he had, like, all that stuff just at his house, ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so we were able to do it. And, um, and he was a great sport about it and did a great job as, as the interrupting Joshua in that sermon. And, and so I think, like, I, I, I hope this season, like, helps us to, to think more intentionally and creatively about form going forward. Um, but but for now, I, I think it's also worth a conversation of. So how do we keep meeting those needs in a time where where everything looks different, and have we done that well? Have we thought about that enough? And are some because I, I think you know I think we're still going to have some of our people who are gathering online you know first for still a considerable considerable amount of time and i know we're all hopeful that with vaccine rollout and and you know other things like that 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 some of our gatherings will be able to to kind of look look what they look more at least like what they did pre- pandemic in in hopefully the near future but it looks like some of our people are going to be gathering online um, and in person would kind of have this dual nature to our gatherings at least for a little bit longer and so what do you all think about that like do you think we've examined that question of need uh, or, or other, or is there more that we could do to try to 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 make sure that we are meeting needs well, even in this season of of kind of the duality of the the nature of our gatherings?
1: I feel like there's probably more that we could do, especially from those who are worshiping online. Um, we could hear from them and find out what is missing for you in this format. Um, what do you feel? is lacking and one thing that came to my mind was that one of the reasons we gather normally in person is for each person in the body to be able to function as part of the body and to serve and to use their gifts and so someone who is watching online who didn't have any part in putting the service together might feel a little bit useless (laughs) like what am I doing I'm just a consumer here Um, when maybe they want to be someone who is more active or someone who is producing so i think that there's space to ask how we could help people to use their gifts more and to be able to serve somehow even if they are worshiping at home
2: yeah i think that's an excellent point rachel and it's interesting because the dynamic has shifted Uh, those that might have been excluded from the worship participation before like children uh, or can be included now. Whereas you may be older adults that their primary role was helping out with the communion or things like that, those roles aren't there anymore. Um, and so, or just you have maybe some technology limitations where you would be very happy to uh, voice a prayer for the church, but because, you know, maybe we're doing that online, you don't really have the technology available to do that Um, And so it's very difficult, but uh, I I agree that there's so many other ways that if, you know, I think at first we thought this was gonna be very brief, this uh, interruption in in our normal way to gather. But as Warren, you were saying, it looks like at least for a segment of our uh, members and our population, that this is gonna continue for months still ahead, even after the vaccine perhaps, and so, being more intentional now, uh, you know building on what we've already done what what was successful, but where there are gaps, as Rachel said um, will very will be very helpful and it's going to be harder for all of us because now, as you mentioned, we have this duality of online and in person, and it's just natural for you to have only so much energy and creative uh, you know uh energy as well to how can i do this well but also not sacrifice doing this other aspect well also
0: right and you know that's something that as rachel and i were talking about which she had mentioned you know not wanting it to to appear as if we were really kind of coercing people to try to come back to in-person stuff like if are we throwing out reasons why we gather to try to say hey everyone needs to be here gathering at the building <laughs> um and and no that 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 wasn't the point of of why we wanted to talk about this and and so we want to to be clear about that but that we do think that there is value in coming together as as the body of Christ and and you know if that looks different across cultures and and across seasons then then yeah we get that but but maybe maybe we need to take a step back and, and kind of ask some of those those why questions and, and look at what what are the needs that we either are or are not addressing in this current time. And I do think for some, like that may mean kind of evaluating, hey, are there places I could still be investing that are offered that maybe I haven't been taking advantage of, whether that's um, you know, participating in the live stream, you know, at the time it's offered if maybe if some haven't done that and, and feel kind of more disconnected because of that or Zoom gatherings or, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, or maybe there are other methods of gathering and communication that we could could pursue that, that we either haven't thought of or just haven't, haven't pursued yet. Um, but I, you know, one of the things that I've sort of wondered recently is, will will this pandemic because i think at the beginning there was a thought that hey this is going to make us realize the need for community and gatherings and 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 all of those things and i hope that's still the case because i wonder if the flip may be true for some to say hey you know i've i've kind of survived this year without any of that is there a need to go back to it and 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 i think that you know terry and i and and with with kind of some of the others on our leadership team have kind of used this imagery of thinking about our season as kind of a church plant because that's what we're kind of doing right where we're we're having to to reimagine what all of this looks like and 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 i think just even that perspective causes us to go back to some of these questions of okay so what is the need that we're trying to address what's the purpose of our gathering and how do we create this sense of of community and belonging um under the the, the banner of, of Christ and and um, discipleship to him. Because uh, that's another kind of aspect, I think, of culture that I've been thinking of recently that, that she gets into, again, in the book and in the podcast. The, the, the author of this book talked about this, another question of, how do you create a group without all having to be the same? Um, and again, I think that's something that we've talked about, maybe not that directly, though, because we're we're kind of a blending of of even just kind of church backgrounds at the vine we've we have people who come from a lot of different backgrounds and and i th- i think we have done a good job at least i feel like to a certain extent of 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 representing that diversity of background within our gatherings that there are are kind of pieces that have been pulled from a lot of different traditions um and backgrounds that that can kind of um help various people feel somewhat connected to to what we're doing within the space here but we had we 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 have a lot of differences just about a lot of thoughts about religious thought about social thought about political thought and and creating a, a group without all having to be the same is such an important part then of how we go about being connected and i don't i don't really know yet what that means for gatherings but I do think it's a question to consider in a time when, when division just feels like the norm.
2: I, I was, uh, again, I came from a faith background where I think if I reflect on it and I'm really honest and, and uh, candid about the reasons, I, I think there was a sense of obligation that was at the heart of many who attended you just felt like you were, it was your duty to attend. Um, and, and for some people that meant attending every single gathering that was ever offered at the building. And for others, you know, maybe over time that got to meant, well, every time on Sunday morning that there was a service, I would be there. That's just what we've always done. That's our obligation. I feel like maybe that's my Christian duty. And the the discussion that uh, that Brene Brown had with the author of the book, was that that's, that's, that's the hardest time to really draw deeper meaning from a gathering is when people are there out, out of a sense of duty. And so trying to create you know that sense of there's real value in this for me um, may be difficult if you feel like, well, the only reason I do this is because that's what we've always done and I would feel awkward if I didn't do that. But as you said, Warren that I think a lot of even that sense of obligation goes away slowly when you haven't done it in a year Uh, and and the world didn't come to an end for you. And you you can think of all the reasons why that's not important for me. I just, maybe I will watch this YouTube service later in the week and I'll try to do some home, you know, meditation or or reflection. And, and again, those could all be very meaningful, but I, I think there's a real, a missed opportunity when we don't gather, whether it's online uh, or in person. I think the the it's just critical that we gather uh, for a lot of the reasons that have been discussed, and you know it's the reason we have. Uh, I'll, I will interject the whole ceremony thing. The whole reason why we have ceremony built around important things in our lives. Why do you have a wedding ceremony when you don't? It's not required legally. You know you could. Just sign some paper, have a few witnesses, and be done with it. And some people do that. Why do you have graduation ceremonies? I, you know, I, I'm always amazed that uh, as a as a relative of someone who has to attend those ceremonies, you know, these long graduation ceremonies of people walking across the stage and having to listen to speeches and all of that. But how important that is, and how. There was this longing to have ceremony for all the people who were graduating during the pandemic who missed out on that. And so there's that, uh, I think that communal validation of what just happened is important. It adds kind of gravitas to what's going on. It, uh, it, It magnifies again, the importance of what occurred, and also it it allows everyone to kind of collectively celebrate with that individual. Or in the case of, say, a funeral ceremony or funeral service, as we would call it, it's a collective mourning, again, a coming together of of people, all with a common purpose. So it focuses, it helps us celebrate, helps us mourn, and then when you put that in a religious sense, it also helps to instruct, to, to teach, to admonish, you know when we need to be admonished when we need to be corrected um and all of those things just they don't happen very well in isolation. I r- rarely feel admonished by just pulling a scripture out and reading it and reflecting on it now sometimes I will, but uh not as not as much as warned if you if you have a very convicting sermon and I feel very uh it's like okay, that was speaking to me today i I need to think and reflect about why that spoke so deeply to me today.
0: Uh, I was thinking about a verse in Colossians where Paul says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another. Your word admonish got me thinking about this, Terry. Admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. and. And so that seems to, I remember that, that, that verse having sort of an impact on me at one point. We're thinking like, there are so many elements just to our singing together. There is a teaching and convicting quality to our singing. Um, that, that yeah, praising and offering praise and glorifying God is part of it, but it's also for our benefit as a community of people who are gathered, there's, there's a teaching element, there's an admonishing element, there's a connective element For us who are gathered together and even just thinking about that aspect of it like so for someone if if we have an individual who has been worshiping now at their home by themselves with kind of chris and emily you know on on the uh, recording like just that that's just a very different experience than than being together with with a gathering of people um
1: Well, on your question about how do we have a group that is not all homogenous, basically, I feel like the church gathers almost in defiance against the world um, to show that we are a unified group, even though we are different. Um, And it may be some some particular local churches are pretty homogenous, but the church global also is gathering. And so even if my church, a lot of the people look alike, but, but around the world, all the churches everywhere are gathering. Um, we are still all one body together. And we are demonstrating unity when we gather, that we are all united under Christ and in our diversity and all our denominations and all our races and persuasions and everything all of us share this one thing together, um, our belief that Jesus is the savior of the world and deserves praise. Um, so I feel like the church gathers to demonstrate unity and to, to show the world that unity is possible.
0: And so I think there are all many there are all kinds of other ramifications of this and, and I think certainly more specifics of kind of implementation of thinking about some of these questions that we can think about. And I hope that's something that we will continue to do in our various conversations and, and places. And so I think there's there's certainly a church sort of level of this, but I think there's an individual and a family level of this just as we think about gatherings in general um, of, of so especially as we even think about because people are now having to make the, the decision of, like, is, is gathering in, in this way, whatever this way is, is it worth the risk, right, the health risk? Like, um, and I know people have had to make hard choices about that with things like funerals um, and, and, and weddings of, like, this is happening. It's happening within kind of my circle of friends or family. And is it, is it worth the risk of me participating in that? So we're kind of, we're having to think about all of our kind of gatherings in, in many different ways. But but as we go forward, I think there's space for us to think about that individually as we think about how we gather and why we gather and whether we should gather and what form those take on to, to kind of step back and think about the needs that we're trying to address in our lives by bringing people together. And are there needs in my life that are going unfulfilled and and and, and in what ways can community, whether that's online, whether that's in person, whatever it is, that community can and gatherings can can address that in some way. Uh, and so there's all kinds of different places we could go with that, but I did want to spend a few minutes kind of b- before we wrap up today, because again, those are those are ongoing questions that we're not necessarily gonna, <laughs> gonna wrap up today, but things for us all to think about going forward. But I did want us to think about one specific thing that 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 we've talked about doing here that we want to attempt to do at the Vine that that Terry actually Uh, sort of helped roll out or at least um, announce, I guess, in some way in our worship service yesterday, if you're listening to this on Monday at least, Uh, and that is uh, our new, our courtyard project that we're pursuing, uh, atrium, courtyard, whatever, in the space between our auditorium and in our fellowship hall building. Uh, So people who are familiar with, with our church building know there's kind of a large patch of dirt. I think you could say in that area <laughs> um, and, and it's currently kind of unused space and it's something that even at the beginning of last year when we laid out our 2020 vision, we, one of the things that we talked about wanting to do was to be to invest in our space and, and to invest in, in our, our facilities that, that would help further our, our mission and, and the things that we want to accomplish with our building in, in better ways and and the the courtyard project was even the the one specific project that we had mentioned at that point. and I think probably for obvious reasons, um you know that didn't get done in two thousand and twenty and and so we've it's it's kind of been pushed to this year. There were other things in the building that we were able to do, like painting classrooms and doing some things like that but but this kind of bigger project got pushed and and we really saw that as a as a way to not only kind of extend our usable space, but as a, as a way to, to help encourage some of these things that we've been talking about, to encourage connection, to encourage conversations, to provide space together, uh, for, for many different purposes, um, to, to recognize that there's a value in, in connecting with people before and after even our planned gatherings, that there are there are special and meaningful things that happen there and just in the current setup of our auditorium we don't have great places for people to gather in order to do those things Uh, and so terry i know this is something that you've been thinking about for a while and and something that um that you've kind of had a part in in helping to bring together i wonder if you can kind of share some of your reflections on on that project maybe in the context of this conversation and what you think that will add to our community and to our gatherings
2: yeah thank you yeah and this is a obviously a group project there's been a lot of conversations i think even a a few years ago i remember uh, kevin huddleston bringing up this idea of converting that space into something more usable Um, and then we had some momentum from that of okay let's not just make it usable, but let's really put some intentionality behind what we would use it for. So it's not just even an expansion of usable space, but what that space would be used for that maybe we don't have other areas that are equivalent. And so when I think about- And I should say there,
0: let me just add one more thing there, since you you mentioned Kevin. Kevin's wife, Jamie, has also done a lot of legwork- Um, as we've gone about the plans for this uh, Earthscapes uh, put together a lot of the plans for this and Jamie did a lot of coordination with them and has done a lot of thinking behind kind of the um, the look and feel of that space so we're we're appreciative of of the work that they've put in um, and the work that you Terry have have put in to kind of get some of this coordinated so I just wanted to mention that before we go further but anyway so go ahead
2: yes if anything I've taken more probably an administrative role of just trying to make sure the pieces eventually don't get dropped or fall through the cracks and and people like jamie huddleston and others have been uh kind of the feet and legs of uh, of this to make sure that we kept it going and uh, even even this morning i was there was an email from jamie with some new designs that uh, that i uh, will be able to share Um, and so I think the, the basic thought and the pandemic really helped concrete uh, uh, or nail down this idea of we needed some outdoor gathering space that, you know, certainly during the time of the pandemic, but that would also be translatable well past the pandemic. When we think about uh, a lot of the places we enjoy going, whether it's a park, whether it's outdoor gathering places, or whether it's maybe even just a uh, a cafe that has outdoor seating, so that on nice days you can just move outside. Uh, those are those are very uh, inviting for people to come and spend time together. Uh, you know, if I'm in a really crowded indoor restaurant, it may be like, okay, we just need to get out of here. Uh, we finished, people are staring at me, I they need my space. Uh, whereas, you know, it's an outdoor cafe, kind of the Starbucks effect of, you could sit there and study or, Gather with somebody and have you know three-hour conversations if you wanted to, um, and creating that kind of environment up at the bill- at the building at that facility where people could just gather and have, uh, especially during the pandemic and-, and distancing, have some safe space that's outside that is very inviting uh, and designed specifically for that. And again, we could have just stuck a picnic table out under a tree someplace. But to have something that is in between those, where it also, it's very conducive to that. Before a service, you know, every time we have a transition of okay from class to worship, or, or after the service, before the service, Wednesday nights in the middle of the week, where you have places where you can just sit there, gather, have a private conversation or a group conversation. You could have your classes outside. You could have a, a ladies you know, a book, re- book review or a mixed, mixed gathering outside, uh, the teen class could meet outside if the weather permits. And so there's so many ways that I think we can be intentional with that. And Warren, you and I talked, and uh, Rachel, I think we've had this conversation as well, is that what the pandemic has really shown us is that even though there are these various components of worship that are very important, um, that in some ways that the glue that holds all that together and holds us together as a church is relationships. And you know, that that gets back to the core commandments of loving God, loving one another. And how can we build those relationships um up well, having space where those relationships can grow and deepen. And again, I've I've been couching this in the sense that this is like a gathering place for multiple people at once, but it could also be envisioned as a meditative place where you, as an individual, could come. And it could be prayer time. It could be just reading and reflecting scripture. Again, we, uh, the way I think it's going to be designed, is you can divide out that space. You don't. It's not all where you're. You have to be grouped together. You could have individual space as well as uh, group space. Um, And so i'm excited about it it is going to take not only some investment of resources but also some invest some investment of reimagining how we can use it once it's built and our goal is to have this ready by easter but we'll see Um, i think if anything last year and even early this year has taught us is we can we can create plans but we need to be very flexible and those plans may change uh without notice (laughs) so Mm -hmm
0: yeah and that's you know one of the things that I appreciate about um listening to other or listening to smart people on on podcasts and reading books and things like that is I think it helps give language for things that that maybe are are in my head and um you know I think so that was one of the things I appreciate about this podcast we've talked about several times today is that it you know these are things that we've kind of been thinking about but I think uh her her book and her her questions kind of gave me even some different language to to consider some of that with but but yeah we 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 were attempting and i think did did a good job of of trying to be intentional about thinking about the space and how that would inform what we did in that courtyard area and and thinking about it not not just from the sense of as you said you know not just from the sense of hey we want to throw a couple of picnic tables out there or even just hey we want something pretty you know in this spot where there's currently dirt it was a question of how can we do something here that will benefit the community and will help further what we want to be about as as a community of people as as the people of god and so we feel like this this has the opportunity to do that and and add a space that will just provide a lot of opportunities that i've um, I think we'll will we'll expand what we're able to do, how we're able to gather formally and informally. It is it's part of this is kind of the second part of why we decided to to add kind of there's if if you look at our Sunday morning schedule now and you know that'll even be more I think obvious going forward is that you know we have our our classes now at nine and we we kind of intentionally said they'll go from nine to nine forty five and then worship begins at ten fifteen. And we wanted to intentionally build in that thirty minutes of of fellowship of community of time to to gather in smaller groups for conversation to reconnect to to enjoy conversation and that this project is is a piece of that um, is is providing space where that can happen well and at some point maybe we'll actually get to you know enjoy for those who enjoy coffee enjoy coffee again together and pastries and granola bars or all those things that we used to have available that we don't in pandemic time. Um, but, but just things that can help encourage some of that connectivity. Um, because I do think, again, to kind of bring it back to that why we gather question, uh, I do think as Christians, uh, connection and, and community and building relationships are certainly a big, a big function of, of, of why we come together. Uh, Rachel I'm I'm curious to know from you what are you as as someone who's kind of newer newer to our our group and our family what are you looking forward to with that space and what do you what do you feel like it will it'll add to what we do
1: I'm excited to have a more beautiful area to be in Um, and environment really affects me and I think it affects all of us more than we realize Um, so just like generally. I love kind of big open spaces where you don't feel limited. And so I think that having an outdoor environment will create that sense of of there are many possibilities for what we can do. Um, and like, I remember in college, if a professor would ever say, hey, let's go have class outside. It was like the best, you know, the best day, like the best class of the semester. Um, And so I'm thinking like for youth class, if we could do that every once in a while, I think that would be pretty phenomenal. So just being together in the the creation and the space that God made um, also brings me back to my African roots a little bit.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I agreed. That reminds me of a quote that I've used before of, you know, someone I heard someone say, we were never intended to spend this much time inside that we... We, we miss a connection to sort of the way that God intended for us to function in some ways when we spend almost all of our time indoors. So, so yeah, I think you're right. Even the fact that it's outside and it's intentional space outside matters. Um, and I do think the aesthetics and the environment matter as well. Mm-hmm. That's something, you know, you kind of have to walk that line, especially as we think about things from a church standpoint of, so how do we use our money and, and how do we um, how much do we want to put behind something that's you know kind of making something more aesthetically pleasing but but those things do matter and environment does matter and and we recognize that you know in our homes and offices and cars and wherever else and 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 I think we do as well in church but um but yeah sometimes I think there are some questions there um as far as well you know what should we kind of what should we commit to something like that but but it matters, and I think you can see that even throughout Scripture and the construction mm-hmm. of the tabernacle and um, the, the temple, even, even though Solomon kind of, um, you know, maybe took that to, to the extreme in some parts. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, those things do matter. Um, any, any closing thoughts on any of that we'll, before we wrap up our conversation today? Anything you wanted to throw out on any of that today that you, you haven't got a chance to, to mention yet?
2: I think um, to segue with what you're saying uh, in that as I approach a gathering, going back to this concept of gathering, um, the in the podcast uh, about that book, they talked about doors. That you know, as you enter a door, it sort of sets the stage. Well, before you even get to the door of whatever the gathering is going to uh, be, um, there is that ramp, that walkway, that the uh, entry. To that you know if and if I'm walking my neighborhood and the house looks very uh, there's huge hedges I can hardly see the door there's no welcoming sign you know I it doesn't feel very inviting but if I'm going to a gathering and I'm immediately confronted with this outdoor uh, open space where there's people out there talking engaging it just feels very much it already sets the stage it starts to create an atmosphere for for the gathering that's going to take place. And so the the preamble to the gathering, if you will, is very important because it develops sort of a sense, a tone for me before the gathering even starts. And I think this will also help. um, You know, I, I think no matter what the design of a building is, if you walk up and it feels very sterile and you don't see any activity until you actually physically open a door, Uh, it may be great inside, but it feels very cold until you cross through that door. And and I think it may help us to have some of those activities outside that feel very welcoming. And we can engage people from the moment they show up, especially if they're new to our fellowship or new to our gatherings, uh, or we haven't seen them in a while. And there's going to be a lot of uh, that greeting and re- reuniting with people that we physically haven't seen or touched in a long time uh, in the months ahead.
0: All right, well, we'll, uh, we'll wrap up there for today. And I do want to invite, kind of as Rachel mentioned earlier, I think Rachel kind of posed the question of of inviting responses from others of, especially those worshiping online. What what are you missing from from gatherings, from community? Um, and so I would encourage people who may be listening to this, if there's anyone still listening at, at 50 minutes into this conversation to, um, <laughs> to, to share with us those things. What are, what are you missing? And, and for those who are worshiping in person too, uh, there may be things that, that you feel like are still kind of missing from church gatherings. And, you know, obviously the, the form looks different and there are some things that are, are simply not replicable in certain forms but that doesn't mean that we can't brainstorm and think, okay, this is something that we're missing, that we've now been missing for several months. Is there a way that we can replicate that in a different form or can, can get at least a, a close proximity to it? And, and we would appreciate and invite and encourage that feedback um, and those thoughts so that we can continue to be intentional about the time we spend together and, and the ways in which we gather. Uh, so thank you, Rachel and Terry, for spending time with me in this conversation today. And uh, Rachel, would you be willing to close us in prayer?
1: Yes, thank you. So as a prayer for today, I just want to read kind of an amalgamation of scriptures and not give you the references, but just kind of let those wash over you. So That worked out. Great. You were
0: ready to go then. So <laughs> that wasn't even planned. All right. <laughs>
1: And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up.
2: Amen. 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 Amen.